This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. The 75th uh, anniversary of the NBA, the 75th season is upon us. And um, I'm trying to figure out something to do with it. Uh, no one's really coming out with their top 75 player list yet that I could be able to look at. Uh, I know the NBA is releasing their own during the opening week. Uh, Slam has come out with their own uh, special issue magazine on it, but I believe it does not come out. and It's getting shipped in like a f- couple weeks, and then just every other site hasn't really put theirs out yet. So I was trying to think, what can I do with this? And then I was like, I couldn't really do my own top 75 players list because I guarantee there's a lot of people that I wouldn't know about that people would probably uh, not enjoy them not being on the list. Like, I don't know much about Paul Azarin, not going to lie. Dolph Shays, I mean, I don't really know. I know their names. Uh, don't really know what they've done in their career. Name. That's who wouldn't really feel comfortable doing that just because it wouldn't serve them justice. Then I was like, well, maybe if I do like a uh, most underrated players list. And then I was like, okay, we're sort of getting to that same thing, though, where I would probably say someone that is not underrated and overlooked, but just we don't know too much about them. So then I decided to go through a book that I have of NBA 75, and I was just flipping through the pages. It goes year by year. And uh, the one that stuck out to me the most, other than like the ABA stuff, which I still want to do an episode on the ABA just because of how crazy it is, but I uh, need to do more research on it. But um, one that did stick stick out to me was the battle for Lou Alcindor. And with that, I started thinking, oh, yeah, I forgot that happened. Because I had written a paper on George Mikan last year in my history of sports class. And um, this is a really interesting story that I do not think a lot of people know. And it really shows how much the ABA needed to grow. And it's a, really, it's a big surprise that they did merge with the NBA in the end. So uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about that today. So one of the main things that you need to know before this is you need to know about George Mikan, which I'm not going to give his whole uh, life story. I mean, I did that in the paper, but I'm just, I'm not just going to read from my paper here. But with Mikan, he's the first star of the NBA, pretty much the first star of basketball, I would say. Then again, I guarantee there's other people that were legends in their own way. But Mike was like the first one to where everyone realizes, oh, hey, this is the guy. And um, he's definitely a star for the time. He would not be even close to a star now. He couldn't move well, uh, really couldn't run up and down the court well. Of course, uh, if everyone, if anyone plays basketball and you're somewhat of a, a big man, you know the Mike and drill and uh, how... It's very repetitive because, I mean, you're doing the same thing, but it just gets stale 
and it's people hate it and i i completely get it because after a while it gets so boring but with mike in he's definitely under he's definitely overlooked for sure because at one point for Madison Square Garden, instead of Lakers versus Knicks, they put George Mikan versus the Knicks. That's how big he was. And he's a staple around uh, Chicago. When I went there a couple weeks ago, we were at a pizza place and they had George Mikan stuff all over the walls because he went to DePaul. And then goes to Minneapolis, becomes the star that he was. And um, then the ABA gets formed. So a bunch of these guys who were trying to figure out, they originally wanted to do a uh, football league, but they're like, yeah, it's kind of too expensive. And also like, it was that point of the, like the rise of the AFL was in there. So what can we do? They decided to go to basketball and they decided to make the American basketball association, which is known as the wild west for basketball just because of all the stories that happened in there. There's so many. <laughs> They're just ridiculous. But um, they decide on who do we want our commissioner to be? Because really the end goal, if you're making, if you were making a league like this, your main goal was to get a merger or to eventually own an NBA team. Same thing with the AFL. I mean, they were kind of there to, uh, compete against the NFL, but really all they wanted was an NFL franchise. And so they decided, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. And they need to decide on a commissioner. And at that point, they go, how about George Mikan? And their whole reasoning behind it is, well, I mean, he's George Mikan. He's synonymous with basketball at that point. But also... They thought that he would have a lot of NBA connections. And he somewhat did, but there were some problems with him. Um, and you know, Normally, when you have a corporation like this or a league like this, your main office is in some metropolis, you know, like New York, L.A., so places like that. Uh, George Mikan decided to have the NBA, ABA offices in uh, Minneapolis because he had a travel agency there and he didn't want to uh, give up his business in Minneapolis or like hand it off to someone else. So we're already off to a bad start because if you're in, if you're in New York and the ABA, maybe not at the time when they were first starting, but even at that point, like you still had all these guys, all the, some of the better players in league in NBA history are from the ABA. Dr. J, Iceman George Gervin, and our and that's not our players overlooked. I I'm sorry, I keep getting off track, but um, most Malone from the ABA, Rick Barry went from the NBA to the ABA, then back to the NBA. Um. And he had such good ABA legends like Mel Daniels for the Pacers didn't really work out in the NBA, but man, he could play. I don't know what it was to where it didn't work out in the NBA, but man, Mel was good. And 
Artis Gilmore for the Kentucky Colonels. He went on to have great NBA success as well. But he he really had the Colonels shining, and that was I think that was like the main rival, the Pacers back in the ABA. But anyway, if you're in New York, if your league office is in New York and you have all these exciting players, sure, like the league is not the best. There's a lot of weak spots. But when you have bright, shining points like Dr. J, David Thompson, those guys in a dunk contest. And you instantly lose a chance to be competitive in a merger because I mean, you're, you're located in Minneapolis and George Mike. And I don't think he traveled that many places to try and get a merger going, but, um, it took until Dave DeBusher, who I would assume since he was, you know, a famous Knicks player moved the league offices to New York and essentially forced his way with a merger. Yeah, but, you know, main office put in Minneapolis because, you know, you got to keep the travel agency going. Which, I don't, if you're a commissioner of a league and you're still like, man, I don't, I don't really know, guys. I, I, I need to uh, keep my travel agency. I need to keep that in my, uh, that needs to be in my wheelhouse. Because what if this doesn't work out? Yeah, you're already off to a bad start. But Mike did do some great things. Don't get me wrong. He came up with the uh, red, white, and blue ball that we all know and love. It was because he couldn't see the ball on TV. So he's like, let's make it colorful. And he said that the the people in the stands will salute the ball. And everyone's like, you're insane, but we'll go with it. <laughs> and um, he allowed so many players to come into the league after they were not allowed in the NBA, like Connie Hawkins and all the other uh, players that were in a point shaving scandal. Also allowed play. I think they allowed players to uh, not be able to like they didn't have to graduate college to go to, to the ABA. And so. We get to 1969, okay? The hottest commodity in basketball at that point in time is Lou Alcindor, also known as Kareem. He's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar today. But um, so Kareem is. Uh, I'm going to be bouncing back and forth between Kareem and Lou, so uh, I apologize. But he's the greatest basketball college basketball player ever. And at one point in time, I would have said that he was the greatest player of all time, period. But, you know, the whole Jordan-LeBron debate, I don't really want to get into that. Uh, had the most unstoppable shot of all time, Skyhook. Um, but I also could be a little biased because he was coached by John Wooden, who's an Indiana legend and a Purdue, a former Purdue player. So best to leave my hat out of the ring in that. With 
him that they won three straight championships at UCLA. And why they didn't win four was because that was when uh, freshmen were not allowed to play varsity. They had specified freshman team and then your varsity team. And the freshman team beat their varsity team when Alcindor was a freshman. So we got that going already. Then he develops the skyhook because the NCAA banned dunking because of him. See how Cinder rule for a long time. The NCAA did not allow dunking because he was just so dominant. And he, I mean, seven foot two, his arms are like, I don't know the size of uh, California essentially to where all you do is just drop it in dunking. He's good. So then they're, they're like, okay, you're not allowed to dunk anymore. And he's like, whatever. I'll just develop literally the most unstoppable shot ever in the skyhook. And so we get that going. The Milwaukee Bucks win the uh, NBA lottery in 69. Because they win a coin toss against the Phoenix Suns, which that point in time and NBA history still blows my mind how everything is decided, how the draft was decided by a coin toss at that point. You just have the two worst teams and just have a coin toss. I mean, and eventually they had to go to the lottery because they had to stop tanking because the Rockets had uh, like two number one picks right in a row. I think with, yeah, with Samson, Ralph Samson and Akeem Olajuwon. And so 1985, they're like, okay, stop. We, we're doing a lottery. This is just ridiculous. But anyway, Milwaukee wins. And um, Alcindor says, uh, I'm not, I don't want to play for Milwaukee. And everyone's like, what? You don't want to play for Milwaukee? So does that mean you don't want to play in the NBA? He's like, no, I don't. Like, oh, okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So with that, it's playing right into the ABA's hands. Really the only thing that the NBA has over the ABA is money. Like that was the only upside was that Milwaukee had a ton of money. Well, I don't want to say a ton, but had way more money than the ABA. And they're like, okay, kind of playing into our hands right now. But, um, all right, we'll see what happens. And so they decide to have meetings. Pretty much like Shark Tank pitch meetings with Milwaukee and the ABA. What team in the ABA? Who knows? It's more just whoever gets them. So they get in. I believe it's uh, Kareem and his mom both go into the meetings. And they essentially say, if the ABA offers me more, offers us more money, we're going there because we do not want to. It's like, I don't care if the reputation of the NBA has over the ABA. I do not want to go to Milwaukee. And so next thing you know, George Mikan and the ABA decide in that meeting, you're gonna shake you're gonna shake his hand, and you're gonna hand him a million dollar check, and boom, we got Lou Alcindor in a league. Now with Mikan, 
he goes in the meeting and um he gets nervous i guess i don't really know uh how that how it happens you get nervous talking i i mean i guess that like it's kind of like your job is on the line your fate of the uh whole league that you uh abide by it's pretty much on the line so mike and freezes the check is in his pocket it's not like he had to write it and it was like a really shaky with the pen or anything no the check was in his pocket it was there all he had to do was like hey here's your and if you agree here's your signing bonus million dollars this man freezes in the moment of giving this man a check, keeps it in his pocket, and says, we hope you choose, or I would assume he said, we, we hope you choose the ABA or whatever. Dude, come on. How do you freeze in that situation? I'm not, a, I'm like a very like socially awkward person. I'm going to, I'm not going to uh, lie to you guys. I'm I don't I'm handing the check to Kareem. What are you talking about? How do you like how do you actually freeze in that situation? So Lou Center goes on to be a star, changes his name to Kareem. Like that year, or maybe a couple years later, it was when he was still in Milwaukee, he changed his name. The Bucks go on to win a championship in 71. So um yeah. And then, you know, Kareem goes to L.A., becomes part of Showtime. Uh, like, Kareem wins, like, three MVPs during the 70s. And then I f- he has, like, five overall. Oh, he has six overall. My mistake. So, how does this happen? What actually happened like it's and I don't really have an answer to what really happened other than Mike and froze and just blanked to give him the check but how do you put Mike in that position in the first place you're like you're still banking on the fact that like man he has the NBA connections we're gonna get in the NBA it's like, why are we in Minneapolis? Why did you not give a check to Kareem? Why everything, essentially? And then eventually, Mikan has pretty much a, does a whole Richard Nixon just goes, yeah, I'm resigning. You're not firing me. I'm going to resign. And, um, yeah, he returned to his travel agency. And then I think he did law. For like the rest of his life. But um the battle for Lou Alcinder is something that I don't know why more people don't really know about it. Like I've read it in a couple books and um I might have heard it on a TV special or something like that. But it's it wasn't even in the back of my mind until I saw that page in uh, NBA 75, and I was like, oh, holy crap. Yeah, that's right. Kareem was going to be in the ABA. 
And could you imagine the battles between Kareem and Artis Gilmore, like in the ABA? Let's just say, I don't know. Kareem goes on to play for the Virginia Squires. Let's just go with that. That would be an insane team because at that point, they probably had Julius Irving and George Gervin and might have had Charlie Scott at that point also. But say you're going to the ABA Finals, it's the Virginia Squires against the Kentucky Colonels. I don't know how the conferences worked at all. All It's just... And at that point, the ABA is on top. does not matter, like, how much of a rinky-dink operation it was. Like, there were teams that didn't have, like, money, essentially, to pay players. Like, players would say that they would get their check, and they would, like, draw, they would, like, speed to the bank to cash it in just in case that the team, like, dissolved or just ran out of money. Having insufficient funds. But, uh... Man, ABA would have been on top. Just no question about it. And, uh... And I hate to do George Mike in that way, because... He is the game's first great player, professionally... But you've got to be kidding me. This is the guy that you trust with this. And uh, if you want to look up more on Mike and be my guest, uh, writing that paper, I don't really remember writing it. It was one of those papers where I got back to my dorm after dinner on like a Friday and I just started writing. And then like two hours later, it was almost like I blacked out or something like that. Like, I just do not remember writing it at all. But, it, like, two hours later, it's like I almost wake up and it was done. I'm like, all right, hope it's good. But reading up on George Mikan is very interesting. And um, I don't know, that might be, uh, I kind of did a whole player profile on him <laughs> just by uh, talking about this moment. But um, might be a, a profile I do at some point because... He was very good, and um, it's kind of weird how the Lakers left Minneapolis. Like, is that just me? Because you have George Mikan, who's the first star for the Lakers, or, or in basketball in general. You have him in Minneapolis, and they're like... And they even had Mel- Elgin Baylor, at, not with George Mikan, but Elgin Baylor was in Minneapolis... And uh, they're like, yeah, we'll just move to L.A. It's like, you feel like Minneapolis could be one of the main places basketball would be great in. But no, we're going to go to shiny bright lights of L.A. And no one will remember the Minneapolis Lakers because, hey, come on, you kidding me? Showtime. So with that, I have to tell a couple ABA stories one in particular actually shocks me, but um, I'll start out with one of the main things I do remember hearing about. I have been to a couple of basketball camps where Darnell Hillman, <clears throat> the former Pacers uh, player, Dr. Dunk, 
he was like the main guy running the camp. And he even went to my high school. He didn't go to my, he was at my high school for one of those uh, camps. It was very, it was very fun. Hearing his stories about the ABA is very interesting how some random fan would be like, I bet you five bucks that you can't uh, touch the top of the backboard or anything like that. They would get out a ladder, place the bill on top of the backboard, and then he would just jump and grab it. And just all the amazing dunks that he did. And and Indiana, man, when it was the ABA years, Indiana was unstoppable at points. Had like three ABA championships. Don't want to brag, but, you know, it's not really bragging. They don't count towards our uh, championships in the NBA. But one of the weirdest things... All their games were at the state fairgrounds, I believe, which is now where like the Indy Fuel play, the hockey team. They would have cow milking contests at halftime. And I think it was player against player. Like they would be like, I don't know, Mel Daniels against Rick Mount. <laughs> or maybe it was player against fan. I don't really re- remember. <clears throat> But imagine going to a basketball game, and this is the most Indiana thing ever. I'm not going to lie. It's just, hey, let's bring out a cow. You can milk that, and, uh, yeah, that'll be our halftime. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. So that's one part. I just wanted to talk about uh, the Indiana <clears throat> ABA. There's one uh, story that, I remember seeing this on a basketball love story and Terry Pluto was talking about us and Terry Pluto is a whiz when it comes to the ABA. His book loose balls is amazing. Uh, It's one of those things where I remember my dad would always say that when he was uh, driving a gas truck and waiting for the truck get filled up, he would read loose balls. And I remember I was gifted loose balls for Christmas one year and uh, I used it in my George Mikan paper, but I've used it for a ton of other stuff, and there are just post-it notes everywhere throughout that book. So they get Terry Pluto to talk about the ABA for Basketball Love Story. And there's this one guy, John Brisker. If you haven't heard of him, I don't blame you. I didn't hear of him until this. This dude was like... Charles Oakley, like, 20 years in the in the past, essentially. He's Charles Oakley before Charles Oakley. Just a bruiser. Just a bodyguard for other players. Just mean guy. He, uh, he does, like, he has, like, two really great years in the ABA. And then, all of a sudden, he just, like, disappears. <laughs> Just like out of nowhere, he just, I i don't know. He had two all-star years playing for the Pittsburgh Condors. And man, look at the ABA teams. Wow, there's a lot of uh, interesting teams there. But he even ended up playing the NBA. But it's part of the Supersonics for three years. But he just disappears out of nowhere. 
And everyone's like, uh, well, where's John Brisker? Because this guy was like really good at one point. I do not know if this is true one bit. But apparently, this guy was uh, said to be, after he like disappeared off literally the face of the earth, rumors were spread saying that he was in a, he was like a smuggling diamonds with Idi Amin, who's like one of the most ruthless dictators in like the history of Africa. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, this, and they even said it's almost like a perfect thing, like a perfect matchup. One of the toughest guys in ABA history going to smuggle diamonds with one of the most ruthless dictators the world has ever known. <laughs> And it's like, and apparently it was all, I think like part of it was like, he tried to double cross him, but then eating me caught him. And then like, he's like, he's, he's definitely not alive now. I'll say that, but it's just like, ah, I don't know what's going on. So that's one of my uh, stories I've heard about the ABA. Is it true? I don't know. Do you care though? Like, let's be honest. Do you really care? So I believe that's it for this episode. I just went on a basketball reference and uh, John Brisker's nickname is heavyweight champion of the NBA. So we'll leave it at that. Um, Thanks for listening to me. uh, Get off track talking about the uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, sweepstakes essentially between the NBA and the ABA. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's it. That's that's really all I had to say. Uh, some a- some ABA stories and um, a moment that a lot of people should know about uh, George Mike and the ABA. So uh, I want to thank you for listening for to this week's episode. Um. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much uh, follow me on Twitter at DEverhard00. Follow at Trine Broadcast on Twitter. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.